Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The person and work, role and responsibility of the Holy Spirit. That is the subject of our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan. ministry of Grace Bible Church, right here in Hayward, this is Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand. Welcome to our broadcast. We're continuing our series called Promoting Jesus God's Way. And that really is, at the end of the day, what the work of the Holy Spirit is all about, promoting the Son. As we pick up our time together today, we are reminded once again that the Spirit of God is also a person. He is the co-agent in creation. And he's the co-author of Divine Revelation. With more, here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. You don't want to just be in the room with the anointing. That ain't enough. You want the anointing on you. Because if the fire is on you, now you know you have a relationship with God. Now you know that that burning bush in Exodus 3.14 was the hypostases of God and man. It was the union of God and man. Moses is cleaning up sheepdog. And he looks up and he sees a burning bush that's not consumed. He's looking at the metaphor of an oxymoron paradoxical reality. The fire should burn the bush up, but the bush is not burning up. Why? Because God is teaching us that God dwells with man in the person of Christ by his spirit. So what you have in Exodus 3, 14, you see multiplied in Acts 2, 3. Here the Holy Ghost coming upon dirt bags like you and I. And yet we're not consumed. Why is that the case? Because we have a mediator who has assumed our nature. And because he's in heaven at the right hand of God, God can dwell in us as he dwelt in him. Are you guys hearing what I'm saying? And you can follow the Spirit of God all through the Scriptures. One more, Matthew chapter 3, verse 16. John's baptizing with H2O. He's baptizing with aqua. He's baptizing with water, and folks are arguing. He says, look, this water can't save you, but there's one coming whose fan is in his hand, and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Um, Luke chapter 3, verse 16. I'm sorry. Luke 3, 16. This is getting into his uh, annunciation. Luke 3, 16. Watch this. John answered and said unto them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I cometh. Who is that? Jesus. The latchet of whose shoes I am not worthy to unloose. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and what? Because the fire represents two things. It represents the purity of God. And it represents God's purging efficacy to cleanse his people. See, you and I are unclean when we're outside of Christ. He has to clean us up and bring us in, does he not? He has to clean us up and bring us in. 
He has to clean us up and bring us in, does he not? And without the spirit of God, you're not in the kingdom of God, right? And so this is the metaphor that the scripture uses concerning the spirit of God. Point number two, let's move on a little bit. Here's something more particularly important that you want to comprehend. The spirit of God is also an individual self-conscious person. Now, we really want to work through these five subpoints carefully. Let me make the argument for a moment because you probably just don't know. Because we don't study language. We don't study grammar. We don't study sociology. We, re- we really don't study anything. We just listen to the Internet. Yeah, we don't study anything. But whenever you use the term person, you really want to know what that means. What is a person? Because if someone were to ask you, what does it mean that you're a person? Could you actually explain that in what we would call lexical grammatical terms? Probably not. Here you are. You've been a person all your life. You can't even explain you. <laughs> now, let me help you a little bit. The term person always denotes an individual separate from any other individual. This is what we call in, in, in logic individuation. Like when you reduce it down to its smallest part, it's separate from anything else. A person is an individual, but a person also has an identity of which they are, watch this now, self-conscious. This is why we don't really call animals and dogs and all that persons, because while they have consciousness, they don't have self-consciousness. Pastor, be careful. My dog really acts like he knows a bunch of stuff. Well, he's smarter than you. That don't mean a whole lot. Let me help you. I really want you to get it. It's very important for you to get animals have consciousness. This goes all the way back to Genesis chapter two. Won't be long, but God put breath in all species, even in plant life. That's not your ruah, that's your nehesh. That's a whole nother subject. But please listen to me. It has breath. We're getting, we're getting there. But personhood is a conscious awareness of your own individuality by which you go. Are you ready? I am. That is your tetragrammaton in Exodus 3.14. Who shall I say sent you, O Lord? I am that I am. And the father has what we call personal self-consciousness. The son has what we call personal self-consciousness. And the Holy Ghost has what? Personal self-consciousness. I'm about to affirm that. Can I do that? Now, here's what this means. For people who are modalistic, Sabalian, trapped in oneness Pentecostal, and would assert that the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost are kind of like transformers, they're wrong. A transformer is one person becoming or acting as if they are three or four. Now, we, we got people in the church like that. Y'all do know that, right? That, that's called kooky. That you do know that, right? Multiple personality types. You're really only one person. But God doesn't shift shape from the Father to the Son to the Holy Ghost. And when you allow your Bible to speak carefully, the Father self-indexes. That means he individuates himself from the Son. Are y'all learning something? The son self-indexes. That means he individuates himself from the father. The Holy Ghost self-indexes. 
That means he individuates himself from the son and the father. You know what that means? The Holy Ghost never calls himself the son. And the Holy Ghost never calls himself the father. And the father never calls himself the son. And the father never calls himself the Holy Ghost. The son never calls himself the father or the Holy Ghost. In theology way back, it was forbidden by those who had clear orthodoxy. You are never to confound the persons of the Godhead. They are never to be separated, but they are never to be confounded. To separate them is to create a polytheistic paradigm or what we call a tritheistic paradigm. God is one. He's not three. Did y'all get that? You don't separate them. They are united by their being and their essence and their, their divine nature, but they are distinguishable in their personhood. Like my wife and I are married, we are one covenantally, but we are two persons. And I taught you this of that Trinitarian framework in Adam and Eve, right? By virtue of their union, they are able to reproduce. It's a gospel emblem of Christ in the church. We are one with him, but we never call ourselves Christ and he never calls himself the church. When you individuate, you affirm your own individual identity as separate and distinct from everybody else's. Now, what a lot of people will do is they will talk about the Holy Ghost as a force or as a power, as a non-personal entity. Am I making sense? And fail to understand he is a real person. Are you ready? Acts chapter 13, verse 2. Let's go there and begin to work this through. I want you to hear the language. This is called grammar. This is called sensitivity to language. It ain't hard. You don't have to be a Greek grammarian or a Hebrew grammarian to get it. You just have to ask God to open your eyes that you behold wonderful things out of his law. You have to ask God to help you to read your Bible slowly and carefully. Here it is. Acts 13, 1. Here's the context. Acts 13, 1. Now, there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius and Cyrene and Manaam, which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and then Saul. That is Paul now. Now, watch what verse 2 says in Acts 13. And they ministered to the Lord. What that means contextually is the church in Antioch was worshiping God. They were serving God and they were praying. This here is what we call a sacerdotal expression of what the priest did in the temple. The priests labored in the temple, worshiping God on the behalf of the people. So the prophets and teachers were ministering to the Lord by way of prayer, by way of fasting, by way of teaching, by way of communion. And now the Holy Ghost speaks. Now, persons speak, don't they? Now, watch the language. And as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost what? Stop right there. The Holy Ghost what? Doesn't he sound like God? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And all through chapter one, and God said, and God said, and God said, and God said. Sound like the Holy Ghost is God, right? Because our God speaks. I don't know about you. I didn't told you this plenty. Our God talks to us, right? And the Holy Ghost said, separate. What's the next word? You know what we call that? A personal identity marker. It's called self-indexing. Separate me or separate unto me. 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 I am now indexing. I'm speaking in the first person singular. Me. You guys got that? There are two ways to put it. I and me. First person singular, right? 
I and me, right? When I'm pointing to me, I go me. When I say I, I'm still referring to me, right? It depends on the context and how I use that word I or me, right? Give unto me, not give unto I grammatically, but it means the same thing. And go I me, I am. Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work where unto what? I have called them. Now who's talking here? Because he's individuating himself from the son and the father, because as you guys are going to learn in our next series, he is the resident apostle. He's sent to bring reality to who Christ is and who the father is to the church. And when you read the other accounts in the book of Acts, all the believers acknowledge the personhood of the Holy Ghost. And they never confound them with the spirit, I mean, with the son or with the father. Are you guys hearing me? Very important for you to comprehend this. This is one of those verses that will help you argue against the fools who want to deny the real personhood of the spirit of God. He is very clearly a person. In fact, look at sub point B. Here it is in sub point B, Acts 13, 4. He begins to lay out another self-indexing, self-identifying expression. Acts 13, 4. Having said, separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, to the work I am sending them to. He says, now we're back at Acts 13. I'm sorry, we're just at verse four. Acts 13, four. And you guys can see it in your own Bible and you should mark it as well because you're seeing a movement of a person. So they being sent forth by the what? So now this is what we call apostolicity. To be sent is to be made an apostle. Just like the father sent the son. Did the father send the son and the son sent the Holy Ghost? Did the son send the Holy Ghost? Now the Holy Ghost is sending church members. Now we see Ephesians four, four through six working out, don't we? Because the church is not built up except there is a preacher sent because how can they hear without a preacher? How can he preach except he be what? Sent. The Holy Ghost is commissioning, isn't he? He's sending out because he is the resident apostle. We'll get into his attributes in a a later study. You will discover that he bears the same attributes and characteristics of Christ because he is the apostle of Christ. The third person will not act in a way different than the son. The son did not act in a way different than the father. They all bore the same attributes, characteristics, and disposition because they are one in their nature. That means the Holy Ghost does not clown. Because Jesus did not clown. And Jesus did not clown because God the Father did not clown. Y'all with me? Now listen to it. So they being sent forth by the Holy Ghost departed unto Seleucia. And from this they sailed to Cyprus. So he's sending. Separate unto me, Paul and Barnabas, for the work that I have to do. And the Holy Ghost sends them. Subpoint C. Not only is he self-identified, not only is he the one commissioning us, he is to be what? I'm going to ask that one more time. He is to be what? Rod, it's important for you to get this. This here was something that really uh, brought me into a deeper understanding of what we have learned to call the spirit of God, the immediator. For those of you who are new, who haven't been around grace for 10, 15, 20 years, I teach the same principles all the time. The father is the origin of all things. Christ is the mediator of all things. And the Holy Ghost is the e-mediator. Y'all got that? He's the e-mediator. 
Like the mediator will be related to you, but there will be some distance between you and him. The son is in heaven. The father is in heaven, but the Holy Ghost is right here. He's the immediate presence of Christ in our life. Does that make sense? He's the immediator. He's the one that effectually gets it done. We'll see that when we deal with creation in a moment. But the goal of the Holy Ghost is to take the things of Christ and show them to you. And so the text tells us he is to be obeyed. I love the way it's put in Acts chapter 5, verse 30. Pull it up, Acts 5, 30. Listen to the apostles. And then I'm going to read through verse 33. The God of our fathers raised up Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. We call this the exaltation. Remember, whenever the apostles preached, they preached the resurrected Christ, right? They didn't preach a crucified Christ. They didn't preach a human Christ. They preached a resurrected Christ, an exalted Christ, right? The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you slew and hanged on a tree. Verse 31. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. There the gospel is right there, is it not? So you and I must understand whenever the book of Acts is open, those who proclaimed Christ proclaim an exalted, ruling, reigning, sovereign Christ who forgives sins on the grounds of an accomplished redemption. The very same gospel we preached is the gospel they preached. Now watch the next verse. Here it is. Verse 32, and we are his witnesses. Stop right there. One of the 10 laws in the Decalogue says, thou shalt not bear false witness. Y'all with me right now? We're on holy ground now. We're on holy ground. I know God. Do you? Oh, yeah, I love him. He's a, he's a man upstairs. Do you, do you really know him? Do you really know him? Oh, I know God. How about Jesus? Well, Jesus is cool. I can tell you, you don't know God when you talk like that about Jesus. Oh, I do know God. What about the third person? Well, you know, I'm not so sure about all that. You don't know God. Because the role of the third person is to qualify you as a witness. Now, a witness in court is only credible if in fact what he says is true about what he's saying. Do you hear what I just stated? So when you go around talking about you know God, you better know him. Because if you don't, you're going to have to deal with him in the judgment for bearing false witness against God. Serious, isn't it? Serious, isn't it? And and when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will convince the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. He will take the things of mine and show them unto you. All that I have, I will give to him, and he will reveal it to you in order that you and I might be real witnesses. See, that pouring out of the Holy Ghost and that cloven tongue of fire setting on their head individually brought them into the reality of Jesus by which we learn more and more of him through his word, by his spirit. Thus, we can open our mouths and say, Jesus is Lord, right? Because the Holy Ghost was there. The Holy Ghost saw everything, did he not? And if he who is the ultimate witness is in us, it qualifies us to be a witness of God's word to the world. We got three witnesses. I'm a witness. The word is a witness. The Holy Ghost is a witness. Out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. It's not just me. It's not just the word. 
is me, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And he is the spirit of truth. Got it? I need him. I shouldn't open my mouth and say anything about God at any time without the Holy Ghost. If I wasn't there, I cannot affirm it. And God's not making liars out of his people. Either we have the spirit and his word by which we're willing to lay down our lives that this is the veritable truth of God or we don't and we shouldn't open our mouth. Best thing you can do is say, I don't know. Now notice what the text says. We are his witnesses of these things. And so is also the what? He's the witness. He's a witness of everything that happened in the life of Christ from his birth to his upbringing, to his uh, life as a young carpenter, to his call into ministry, to his preaching, his suffering, his dying, his resurrection. The Holy Ghost saw it all, didn't he? And they did too, the ones who are preaching, with the exception of Christ's earlier years. But notice what it says. And, and so is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Lord, help me obey him. Do you see it? He has given the spirit of God in order that we might enter into partnership with him, submissive to the spirit. If any man is led of the spirit, then and then only is he a child of God. You guys got that? That's what we call authoritative leading. He shall guide you into all the truth. Can I tell you what that means? It means to take your hand like a little child and to lead you into the revelations of Christ because you couldn't find them if you wanted to and you couldn't understand them if you saw them. The Holy Ghost is the interpreter. He's the one in Pilgrim's house, Pilgrim's progress in the house of interpreter where he shows Pilgrim all of the revelations of the kingdom of God. The goal of the Holy Ghost is to be the revelation of the invisible God in the person of Christ to help us comprehend the reality of those things that were testified to and witnessed thousands of years ago up to this day. Am I making sense? He is to be obeyed. And here lies the problem with many. They don't obey him. And thus they do not enjoy the revelations of the glories of God in Christ that brings about assurance to the soul. Do you hear what I just stated? A lot of people profess to know him, don't know him. The Holy Ghost is going to lead you into prayer. The Holy Ghost is going to lead you into Bible reading. He's going to lead you into the fellowship of the saints. He's going to lead you into good teaching, sound doctrine, sound communion, sound fellowship with the people of God. That's where the Holy Ghost is going to lead you. How do I know it? It's the book of Acts. All the book of Acts is the layout as to how the Holy Ghost works. He drives you into community where men and women know the true and the living God, where there is leadership and teaching and sound doctrine by which you humble yourself and learn and grow and know and go, learn, grow, know and go, learn, grow, know and go. You won't go until you know and you won't know until you learn. That's the goal of the Holy Spirit. Sit you down. Make you a disciple of Christ. 
Well, time permits us to go no further. You have been listening to Way of Grace, the daily radio ministry of Grace Bible Church in Hayward, featuring our teacher and pastor, Pastor Jessica Stand. It is our prayer as we come to you daily on this broadcast that you're growing in grace you're growing in your love and adoration of Jesus Christ. That's the goal and the intent here at Way of Grace, that we might understand the amazing love of God in Christ. If you would like to obtain a copy of today's program, you've got a couple of ways you can do that. CDs are $5. Simply call or write to us and we'll send one to you. Or if you're internet savvy, simply stop by our website and you can download the audio file in MP3 version, and that one's free. Grace-Bible.com is our website. That's Grace-Bible.com. And again, if you're willing to write to us or contact us by phone, if you would like the CD, simply do so at 510-886-9782. Again, that phone number is 510 886 9782. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street. That's here in Hayward. The zip code 94541. And again, remember, the CD is $5 or simply stop by grace-bible.com and download the MP3 version for free. We would also invite you to join us for worship here at Grace Bible Church in Hayward. Sunday services are at 11 a.m., Sunday schools at 10 a.m. And don't forget, from a variety of churches and from all over the Bay Area, we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word Friday evenings here at Grace Bible Church at 8 p.m. For the directions and the details, simply go to our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com, or call 510 586-9782. Also, as the Lord leads, we're able to come to you here on KFAX in part through your financial and prayerful involvement with this ministry. Now, while it's free for you to listen to, it does incur a cost on our end, and we look to the Lord for His gracious provision. And if you'd like to participate in that, then please do get a hold of us. Any donation, no matter how big or small, is greatly appreciated here at Way of Grace. 510-886-9782 is our phone number. Thank you for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless.